0: A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to him. them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For he, he who is a hired hand is not a shepherd. Who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind?
1: Father, as we come to your word now together, please let us hear your voice and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you enjoy... Being a sheep? Do do you enjoy being a sheep? Sheep are not highly thought of. Uh, They're silly, aren't they? And dependent and vulnerable, and they don't know what to do without being told, and they can't fend for themselves. And if you do what people tell you to do and follow the crowd, you might be mocked as a sheeple. And I guess. Most of us haven't spent much time with sheep. Uh, there, aren't, there aren't too many in Bromley. My most recent encounter with sheep wasn't a happy one. I was, uh, I was walking after dark in some fields near Knockholt and um, managed to find myself completely surrounded by sheep, <laughs> hundreds of them. And I was, I was quite scared. And I, I retreated to a line of trees just behind me and I, I sort of asked them politely, like an Englishman, to shoo, shoo. And I waved my uh, phone torch around at them, which was even more frightening because I just saw now red eyes staring at me. Um, it had no effect. Um, they, they didn't know who I was. Um, they wouldn't do what I said. I think they wanted food and I didn't have any. So I got oh, a big, massive stick and um, shouted very loudly and jumped up and down and, um, and they ran away. And to be honest, so did I. I legged it across the field to the gate into the woods on the other side. Well, here we are in John 10 and it's all, it's all very sheep related. There's a shepherd. There's a flock of sheep, there's a sheepfold and pasture. It's a really well-known passage. And if you do a quick Google search, uh, you will get loads of images of cuddly, fluffy sheep. And it's all lovely. That's uh, Thomas Kincaid's The Good Shepherd's Cottage. But there's much more than that in this passage. And it's not very cuddly. For a start, the sheep are under threat. There's, there's robbers and there's thieves. Sheep are fleeing from strangers and they're taken by wolves. And the shepherd dies. So what's going on? What, what's all this sheep stuff and why is it so dark? Well, Jesus isn't being random. The sheep might seem strange to us in 21st century London, but they were everyday life for his listeners, so everyone would understand about sheep. But more than that, the Old Testament is full of sheep and shepherd imagery as well. And the sheep are God's people. Um, He he appoints shepherds to care for them, but time and again they they fail, and the sheep are abandoned and abused. In uh, chapter 34 of Ezekiel, he prophesied against the leaders of Israel Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I'll put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. And John 10 is, is, is about Jesus fulfilling Ezekiel 34 and telling the Pharisees that they're the false shepherds. So this isn't fluffy. This is high explosive So let's uh, quickly remind ourselves how we got here from chapter 9, where Jesus um, healed that blind man. Um, And we saw him as a model of someone who follows Jesus, who abides in his word. He was was a model of of persevering faith um, who gets thrown out of the synagogue by the Pharisees, by the religious leaders who have rejected Jesus and who harm his people. The Pharisees are false shepherds. And the blind man is a true disciple, and he's persecuted by the false shepherds. And this is the first time in John's Gospel that we've seen persecution of Jesus' followers. We've seen Jesus face persecution and death threats all the way through the last few chapters. But until here in chapter 9, until that man was thrown out of the synagogue... None of Jesus' followers have suffered following him. So this could be quite unsettling for people wanting to follow Jesus. How do we make sense of it? Have we made the right decision? It it might look like we're on the losing side, but isn't Jesus supposed to be the Christ, the king that God has appointed? John says in chapter 20 that he wants us to know that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing in him we'll have life. But it seems in chapter 9 that if you follow Jesus, you might end up losing much of what you value in life if you do believe in him. So John wants to reassure us, you have made the right decision. Jesus has got this. He's got you. It's sorted. So he talks to them about a shepherd and his sheep. Jesus is the true shepherd who calls his sheep those like the blind man who are Jesus' true disciples. The Pharisees in this story are the false shepherds, the thieves, the robbers, the strangers, the hired hands. So firstly, Jesus is our true shepherd. This is the first six verses. Look down at those. There's a sheepfold in verse 1 with sheep in it. The shepherd comes in correctly. He comes in through the door. He's authorized by the gatekeeper. He's recognized by the sheep. He knows them, and they know him. He calls them by name. They hear his voice, and they follow as he leads. He is the true shepherd. And for, for those of you who, who do know something about sheep, maybe you grew up on one man and his dog, or maybe you saw the, the sheep drive uh, last Sunday um, in London, a slightly weird, I'm not really sure what's going on, Mary Berry is driving some sheep across, is that the Millennium Bridge? I'm not sure which bridge that is. Is it London Bridge? I don't know why. But do you see what she's doing? She's like shepherds in, in Wales, in England. They, they, they drive their sheep from behind with in real life with a bunch of dogs, she's got a bunch of blokes dressed in strange clothes and hats. Um, And they round them and they keep herding them from behind in the right direction. But this kind of shepherd in John 10, he doesn't drive them from behind with dogs. This shepherd leads and the sheep follow. On the other hand, they won't follow a stranger. They won't follow a false shepherd because they don't recognize them. They don't know their voice. They flee from them, like from me in that field. And that there are strangers, thieves and robbers who climb over the wall, who, who don't go via the door, who aren't let in by the gatekeeper. Now, because the whole sheep thing is a bit alien to us, um, imagine for a moment picking up children from primary school. You, you go to the school gate, and if you're a parent, uh, you're let in. You you call your children and they know your voice and they come running to you and they follow you home. You don't call other children and someone else's children don't follow you. You call your children and they follow. And uh, if some dodgy bloke were to climb over the fence at the back of the school and and try to lead your children away, it would be clear... He wasn't a parent. Your children know about stranger danger, and they wouldn't follow him. So back to the sheep. Jesus is the true shepherd. He's he's come to Israel, the sheepfold, and he calls his sheep, his true disciples, by name. He knows them. And, And those who are his people will hear him and follow And the blind man was one of those sheep, one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus went and found him. The man had heard Jesus' word and believed and followed. He's been thrown out by the Pharisees. But Jesus makes it clear that they are the thieves and robbers who would only hurt him. They're the strangers he should flee from. It must have been tough for that blind man to lose his community and to be cast aside. But Jesus is reassuring him, and and the many Christians in history who go through the same rejection, maybe we've been through that. Maybe it's happening right now that colleagues exclude you because of of what you believe, or school friends tease you because you go to church, or friends, even family, turn their back on you, cast you out. It's really tough. And if you've not been there yet, you, you probably will. But you haven't made a mistake. The Lord is my shepherd. He has called you and knows you and loves you and cares for you. Keep following him. Keep listening to him. Keep abiding in his word. Of course, the false shepherds um, hate you and persecute you. They're thieves and robbers. We don't have Pharisees today, but there are people of influence and authority who who hate what Jesus teaches and make life difficult for those who follow him. They might be leaders in government or or media. might be where we work, in our schools. Sadly, sometimes even in some churches. Flee from them. Flee from anything that undermines our trust in Jesus. Jesus knows his people. They will follow him, and he will look after them. There will be false shepherds, but don't be afraid. If you're following Jesus, you're following the true shepherd who knows and loves you. Jesus is our true shepherd who calls his disciples. They hear his words and follow him. But verse 6, sadly, the Pharisees um, don't understand. Why not? Well, because they're not Jesus' sheep. When Jesus teaches them the truth, they don't believe it. And Jesus teaches more about shepherds and sheep. So secondly, Jesus gives us life. This is verses 7 to 10. Jesus gives us life. Because Jesus is the door. Now, you might be a bit puzzled at this point. Because in the first five verses, Jesus was the shepherd who went in through the door. Now he is the door. I think it's helpful to realize that Jesus isn't trying to explain here what the first five verses were, were about. He's using the same theme of, of sheep, but he's adding more depth, more layers, because there's so much more depth to who Jesus is. He's much bigger than, than one metaphor. Now The focus here is on the door. He says it twice, verses 7 and 9. And the, the emphasis is on Jesus and only Jesus being the way the way to life. He reminds us that the others, the the false shepherds, not not just those in Ezekiel's time, but the Pharisees before him now and and false shepherds today are thieves and robbers. They're not the right way. And true disciples, verse 8, don't don't listen to them. The only way for the sheep is through the door. That's, That's the only way for sheep to find safety and pasture. That's the way for Jesus' followers to find salvation and life. The way of the robbers and thieves is destruction and death. False teaching destroys and kills. And we might be tempted to, to follow other ways to find security and enjoyment. The world is full of false teachers, false Gospels some are more obvious religions that treat Jesus as, as just a prophet or, or ignore him completely some are more subtle. the Disney message of be true to yourself maybe we've turned our career or our hobbies or our family or, or friendship groups maybe we've turned those uh, good things into idols we've we've made those the source of our security the They've they've become our life. But only Jesus gives us life. However attractive some other religions might seem, however nice their followers or customs, all other religions lead to death. They all lead to death because they don't listen to Jesus' word and follow him. Only Jesus is the door to life. And he leads his people to have life and have it abundantly in verse 10, wonderfully, joyfully. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The life Jesus brings isn't just a future hope of heaven. It begins now. We can rest in Jesus and enjoy the life he brings now. For that blind man who'd who'd just been excluded from his community, life must have looked pretty grim. And the same is true for, for people today going through hard times, especially for those who are suffering opposition because we follow Jesus. But Jesus isn't telling him or... Or us to cling on just because um, one day it'll be good. One day in the new creation, it it will be perfectly good. There, There will be no more suffering or pain or alienation or persecution. But in the meantime, in this world, there is suffering. It's real and it hurts. But Jesus assures us that in the middle of that, we can enjoy being his disciples today. We've been rescued from the thief. And the abundant life starts now. But before we explore that further, why why is Jesus the only way? How does he rescue us? And and how how will we enjoy the life he gives us? The answer is in the next few verses. So Jesus gives us life. Jesus gave his life. Jesus gives us life because Jesus gave his life life. Look down in verses eleven and fourteen. Jesus is the good shepherd. He says it. He says it twice. It, it doesn't just mean he's good at shepherding. he's, he's, he's a good shepherd. No, he's the best shepherd. It, it doesn't mean he's a morally good shepherd. Like he's a shepherd and he's a good chap. I mean, he's the most perfect human who ever lived. No, the, the good shepherd is the model shepherd the true shepherd, the one shepherd. He's the one that God had promised to send. In, back in Ezekiel 34, he says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. But Jesus tells us something more wonderful still about this good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. He doesn't just tell us twice, he tells us four times. And in case we're in in any doubt about what he means or who the shepherd is, he makes it absolutely clear he's talking about himself. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, I lay down my life. Verse 18, I lay it down. This is the first time that Jesus has told people that he's going to die. He's hinted at it a few times, but this is the first time he said it Absolutely clearly. And, and not just that he's going to die, not even that, that he's going to be killed. He's clear here that he is choosing to give his life up and that he's going to do that for his sheep. I think many of us um, know this passage so well, we just, we just read that without being amazed by it. We should be amazed. Here's Jesus claiming to be the one shepherd, the new David that Ezekiel had promised, and he's he's saying he's going to die for his sheep. Now King David knew what it was to risk his life for his sheep. He'd been a real shepherd. He cared for his sheep. He fought for them. He said to King Saul in um, one Samuel seventeen, he said, "Your servant used to David himself used to keep sheep for his father." And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. David risked his life for his sheep. He wasn't like the false shepherds, the hired hands here in verses 12 and 13. They're just in it for what they can get for themselves, the sort who run at the first sight of a wolf, the sort who care nothing for the sheep. They might even take a couple of sheep for their own dinner. just like those false shepherds Ezekiel spoke about. He said, you don't feed the sheep. The lost you've not sought, and with force and harshness you've ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. David wasn't like them. And God's good shepherd isn't like them. But God's good shepherd doesn't just put his life on the line for a sheep like David. He gives his life for them on their behalf, in their place. Doesn't that seem a bit odd? Think about it. When those lions or bears came, if David had died in the fight, that would be it. No more sheep. So when Jesus dies for his sheep, it's the best news ever. His sheep are given life. Jesus doesn't fight to keep himself alive, to protect his sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he chooses to go to his death. To save his sheep. Jesus gives his life in order to give us life. Look at 17 and 18. When Jesus dies, he takes up his life again. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I have authority to take it up again. So here's the more amazing thing. Jesus is, is God's son. He's God himself. And death cannot hold him. He chooses to die according to his father's plan and he rises again. <coughs> so his sheep aren't snatched or scattered. It's in verse 12. They're given life and they're gathered. Jesus' followers from all over the world are gathered together as his flock, his people, enjoying the life that Jesus has given us. Well, it is amazing. Look at verses 19 to 21. It's amazing, but it's divisive. Some will believe it and long to follow Jesus as their shepherd, but some will think it's all mad. Some of Jesus' listeners repeat that accusation from earlier that he's demonic. Why listen to him? But some perhaps are beginning to see. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus opened the blind man's eyes in chapter 9. He he can't be a demon. So maybe he can open their blind eyes too. And maybe you're wondering that. Maybe you've heard the true shepherd calling you this morning. And if you've heard his voice, stop listening to false shepherds and follow the true shepherd. Ask Jesus to open your eyes. But for those of us whose blind eyes have been opened, who know we are just sheep in need of of the true shepherd, those who hear his call and follow him, for for those of us who know that he gives us life, that he's the only way to life, that he gave his life, that he died and rose for us. I want us to close with that question we started with. Do you enjoy being a sheep? Do you enjoy being a sheep? We've seen how this passage is is a great reassurance for people like that blind man like us. A, A sure promise of security and life, despite the opposition today. We've seen how Jesus is is the king who dies for his people and rises again. As we believe in him, we have life. But how do we enjoy this life now? Let's have another look at verses 14 and 15 as we finish. Jesus says that he knows us and we know him just as the father knows Jesus and he knows the father. That's the life we enjoy today, a life of, of intimate and personal relationship with our God and Saviour. To know Jesus is to live. When, when the world around is, is hard, when relationships are, are broken, when work is, is drudgery, when existence feels like a burden, Jesus wants us to enjoy life by knowing him. By knowing him as he knows the Father, the Father who loves him. But how do we have a personal relationship with Jesus who isn't physically here with us? Well, we saw in, in chapter 8, verse 55, if you skip back to that the page before. It shows us what it means for Jesus to know his father. I know him. I I do know him. And I keep his word. And here, in in, back in chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus dies and rises again in obedience to his father. This charge I have received from my father. Jesus is saying that, that... His knowledge of his father is shown as he hears his father's word and obeys. And the way he knows his father is the way we are to know him. So for us to enjoy life knowing Jesus, we are to hear his word and obey. We know his voice. We hear his voice and we follow him. And it's not a grudging obedience, is it? Look how Jesus obeys his father. He does so of his own accord in verse 18. He chooses to obey. He loves to obey. So enjoying life in Jesus, knowing him, having personal relationship with him, is to to hear his word. I don't mean just reading your Bible, but believing what it teaches and doing what it says living it out it's to it's to submit to what jesus teaches us in his word it's not oppressive or grudging it's loving and joyful we heard last week that as that man lived out what he knew jesus gave him more sight and that's true of us too as we grow more and more like jesus then more and more we will long to hear him And long to obey him. That's how our personal relationship grows. That's how we enjoy the life he gives. True disciples are called by Jesus, they hear and obey. Jesus gives us life because he gave his life. Let's enjoy being his sheep as we know and love him. I'll to close.